following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Fun show today as Westmoreland head coach EJ Perry joins the show. We also catch up with Bree Ellis and Kit Brown and Eli Rice following their wins last night over Gallatin. We hand out the 2-2-1 Players of the Week and rankings. This is the Full Court Press Podcast with Zach Womble covering high school sports all across Sumner County. Now here's your host, Zach Womble. Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of the Full Court Press Podcast. You see the hoop, so you know it's basketball time here in the Womble household and Sumner County. Up first on today's episode, I was able to catch up with Westmoreland head coach EJ Perry earlier today to talk about the Eagles and their fast start to this season. We welcome in Westmoreland head coach EJ Perry to the Full Court Press Podcast today. Coach Perry, thanks so much for doing this this morning. How are you? Doing well, man. How are you? Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Wanted to try to get a little Westmoreland love uh, on the show. You know, I, I'm not sure that may, maybe my other coworkers know about your resume, Coach. I mean, we, we put out the Fab 15 uh, for Main Street Preps, and, and Westmoreland was nowhere to be found. Uh, do you take exception to uh, maybe the lack of respect that you're getting around the Mid-State? <laughs> well, man, uh, I know this isn't going to bode too well with most, but I'm a big Alabama fan. But I'm a bigger Nick Saban fan, and uh, – he, he likes the uh, he, he likes the term rat poison. So we, uh, you know, he gets a lot of rat poison when people talk about how good Alabama is going to be. But if you remember before the uh, before the SEC championship, Georgia was like a two touchdown favorite or, or whatever. And he said, "Man, that the rat poison that you guys put out was yummy this week." Um, I just try to light a fire under our kids. We we we, we like to play that. That's really good uh, bulletin board material right there for us not to be. Uh, not to be on that list, even though we beat a couple of the teams on that list, it's uh, it, it's good for us. I enjoy. I, I, they they enjoy getting that fire and, and feeding that fuel for us. So it's all good. We don't we, we don't resent it, but we do use it. Fair enough, coach. Yeah, you mentioned the teams that that you beat on that list, mainly being Brentwood. You're 15 and three now, uh, having a really good season. I believe you've won maybe nine in a row, or excuse me, 11 in a row. What's kind of been the secret to your success so far, especially considering you haven't really been at full strength? Well, I, I mean, the kids do a great job day in and day out grinding. I mean, we want to hang our hat on the defensive end, and and that's that's obviously you know, but and we haven't done a fantastic job. I think this year, in like in its entirety, but we're we're really making strides. We haven't been healthy and full tilt, and we're still not completely healthy. But I mean, we've got what we're going to have, you know, barring any more injuries for the rest of the year. The kids that are that are out now are going to be out, and they're and they're young kids. We got two freshmen that I, I kind of that were playing a little bit. One of them in particular, Peyton Crump, was playing quite a bit, and she actually tore ACL a couple weeks ago, so she's out. So that that send us up a little bit, but we're getting kids back. And it's, uh, I mean, it's trying to mesh together again. Um, we missed, we had three starters out all summer. So we played without three starters there. And then we get back and we're kind of full tilt and we have two more go down. And it's just, we, we've been kind of just 
we, we haven't gotten to gel like we really want to. And um, so, I mean, it's going to be a process. And that's what we talk about. we got to climb that ladder every day. Um, we haven't peaked yet. And, we're, and you know, we want to peak at the right time. And we just got to make those strides every day. I, I think we'll get there. Uh, and, and we made some some adjustments in the last week that, that, that's helped us improve a lot. So hopefully we can keep grinding and keep working hard and, and get to where we want to get to. Coach, you mentioned the the freshmen that you're having to play. You know, Westmoreland is known for its girls' basketball. Your middle school program is coming off a, a regular season uh, championship season. I, I don't know. Maybe I can't recall at the time how they finished or how they fared in, in the middle school tournament. But my point is, Coach, basketball seems to be at a good place in Westmoreland. What can you attribute that to? Man, there's a, there's a great tradition here. And, and, I mean, it is, you know, it's uh, – it's a great town, and they and they take girls basketball in particular serious, and, and I think that starts way back with with Coach Bobby Hopkins. Um, he did a great job. He made it to the state tournament five times. Had some really good teams. Had some really good players, and I mean that tradition stayed strong. And then I think there was a couple coaches in between, and then Coach Abner was here for twenty years. She did a great job. She worked at it, and I and I worked under her for three. And um, you know, we do some things style-wise differently, but the tradition's always been there. The support from the community's always been there. Um, and, and, and that's really cool to see. And you see it all the way down in the youth programs. I always tell people Westmoreland's kind of a unique place because I can look down in the, the second and third grade and pretty well tell you who I'm going to end up coaching in six or seven years. Like, it's a, it's a unique place, and you get to have your hand in, you know, some of the youth sports sometimes, and that's, and that's cool, man. It, it is really cool to be able to have that tradition and that culture that we've kind of built that, that's remained for this long. You're a Westmoreland man of your own, you know, someone who was a standout basketball player for the Eagles program. Here you are now leading um, the Lady Eagles program to a really good season. You've, you've done really well in your years there coaching. How much pride does it give you just being able to be the head coach of this Lady Eagles program? Well, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's very special to me, and I've been very blessed. Um, I've, I've lived here, grew up here my entire life. My family's lived here, grew up here. We're, we are. We're Westmoreland people, and, um, and it, it means that much more to you to be able to come back to your hometown. Um, I'll be honest, in college, I wasn't sure when I was, I was playing, and I didn't know where I was going to end up. I knew I wanted to coach, and honestly, I had zero plans of going into girls' basketball. And um, I was gonna, I was going to start as an assistant, going to do boys, you know, go that route. And uh, a job, an athletic director job, the athletic director that was at Westmoreland left and took a job at Station Camp as an admin. And the principal called me, and I'd already I was actually an assistant coach at Portland for the boys, helping Coach Carney, and I helped him all June. And uh, Mr. Duffer, our principal here, called me and uh, said, "Hey, I've got a." Athletic director position, it's history as well. Um, the only catch is it's, it's coaching, it's assistant coaching girls basketball. But, uh, man, I, I fell in love with the game. It's a really pure game. I like the, I like the style. I like how it, um, just the, it, it, not that it's different than the boys' game, but it has its own uniqueness. And I really like how pure that game is. Um, I think a coach can have a little bit more impact on the girls' side sometimes than the boys in a way. But I, I've enjoyed my time here. I enjoyed coaching girls as an assistant those three years. And then when Coach Abner left, I was, uh, you know, I had a relationship with the kids. I liked the culture, and we, you know, we rolled with it. Coach, you're coming off a 
129 victory over Greenbrier, but a much closer game at Smith County, your first district game uh, earlier this uh, last week, excuse me. Uh, what'd you learn about district play in this new district? And, 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 you know, how did that game shake out at Smith County? I saw it was a three point win, but just tell our folks, tell our listeners, you know, how you, how you came out with a W. We were very fortunate first and foremost to leave there with a win. We, did not play up to our standards, up to our expectations, and we talked about that. Um, it's the, the new district, it's, it's different. It's a different style that way. It's a different uh, It's a different referee association, and the game's kind of just styled differently. So where we could usually get a little bit more physical in our old, in our old league, it's a little bit more handsy going east, and it's something that we've got to adjust to more for sure. Um, we, we got in early foul trouble. We, we didn't handle it the best, but it had us kind of having to play a different style than we were wanting to. We couldn't be as aggressive as we wanted to be because of that foul trouble. Um, you know, we were fortunate. We grinded it out and, and, and found a way to win. We've got to improve, I think, defensively, you know, off the ball stuff. We weren't, we weren't very disciplined. Um, but Smith County is a really good team and it was a different environment too, man. We haven't played in that gym before. Our kids had never walked in that gym and it was kind of a unique place. Uh, you know, we've never, we've never, we haven't played against any of these teams really in the past, so there's no history there. So it's all new scouts. It's all new stuff. It's all new personnel and we've got to adjust and, you know, do a better job, especially this first time around figuring these things out before we get there. Yeah, you probably took on the the uh, second best team in your district in Smith County. I know they were ten and four going into that game, so a, a tough place to play. Does does a game like that help you kind of teach or talk to the girls about keeping it reeled in, one game at a time? Because EJ, let's be honest, you're in a district with four teams. That means you're automatically going to make the region tournament. Uh, competition doesn't look from my end doesn't look to be the same maybe as it was in previous years when you're facing the metro schools. Um, so maybe you have an easier road to a sub-state game. Does, does a game at Smith County help you kind of reel in emotions and keep it tight and remind the girls of, of what's at stake? Well, we talk about all the time, man. When we talk about a record, we're 0-0 every game. We're 0-0. We try not to get too high, never get too low. You know, we got to stay even killed. I think there's, there's a lot to be said good about having a close game occasionally. I mean, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you from knowing that, hey, you know, if my butt doesn't come ready to play and I'm not focused and I'm not ready to go take care of business, I can get caught at any time by anybody. And, um, you know, I don't I don't really think that that game was a lack of us. I mean, Smith County is a good team. They're pretty athletic. You know, they've got a couple of kids that can score. Um, and it was a home game on the road, and that helps too. But, uh I mean, there, there, there's a lot of things that, that, that we could take away from that game, definitely moving forward, you know, that we grew from, learned from, late-game situations. Um, when we, and, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job scheduling a tough schedule, especially early. I mean, you know, we, we went beach twice, summit twice, Loretto, Oakland, Clarksville Northwest twice. And um, it's, our kids approach those games, you know, Hey, if our butt's not ready to play, we're about to get thumped out here. And, and we don't approach every game that way. And that's what we're really trying to grow. And we've got some young guys that are playing some and some guys that, you know, are having to grow up. They've got to approach every game with the same mentality. And we don't always do that. That's the kind of the things that we keep stressing. You know, you got to approach it the right way mentally every game. You can't play the scoreboard. You can't play level of competition and, and things like that. you got to approach it the right way. 
Coach Perry, we go an entire interview without me bringing up arguably the best player in the county. So I, I, I'll let you. I'll let you go on this question. Uh, what has it been like for you watching Elena Eckel uh, lead this team both on and off the floor this year? What does she bring your team, and and why did she end up at a school like Anderson University when when a lot of other big schools wanted her talents? I have had that question several times. Um, I'll address the, the college choice first. Um, first off, Elena's a, a fantastic player. She's been great for us. She, she's a hard worker. She eats, breathes, and sleeps it. it. It's kind of a rarity that you can discuss X and O things with a high school player. And I mean, she just she gets the game. She's got a really high basketball IQ. Um, she had a lot of good offers. She had a lot of Division One offers that she turned down. Um, she chose Anderson, I think, in a large part. He was the first guy that really started recruiting her hard her sophomore year, early in her sophomore year. And, um, she's a loyal kid. And, and I mean, she bought into his loyalty and he, he kept contact and he called her and checked up with her regularly. Um, she, uh, I mean, she had Lipscomb, UT Martin, Tech, Murray State. Um, and I'm going to miss some here, just spitball. Memphis, I heard Memphis wanted her uh, as well. Memphis, yeah. I mean, Memphis Memphis did. Memphis offered her. Um, but I think she, you know, small town feel. Now, that's a far, far away, but uh, I think that played into it some. I think she thinks she can go, you know, immediately and make an impact there, and I think that played into it some. But watching her grow and, and how she handled that decision very maturely was, was a big deal. She's really good for us, man. She's she she's been a good leader. She she's a she's our one of our hardest workers. Like she's in the gym. She's a gym rat. She loves it, man. And I'm excited to see what that kid does post, you know, at high school. And uh, but I know what what's cool about her, man, is she's super honed in and she's focused on what we're trying to do now. She's not looking ahead. She's she's living in the moment, which is good. Very good. Well, Coach Perry, maybe I can get Elena on the show. Maybe you can help uh, facilitate for that uh, just so she can kind of come on and tell her side of the story. But regardless, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Best of luck as you continue out through the rest of the season. I know there's not a lot of games left, um, but I know I'm I'm sure your girls and your team will be ready for district play. But, again, thank you so much, EJ Perry, for joining us on the Four Core Press Podcast. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Again, that was EJ Perry, Westmoreland's girls basketball coach. Really want to thank him for joining us today to just drop some heat, drop some knowledge, and uh, drop some good nuggets about his basketball team. 15-3 and three on the season, uh, looking like someone to be reckoned with in Class 2A. You know, if you just look at their district, you look at their region, there's not a lot of pushback um, in that. And so when you're looking at a Region 3, when you're facing teams like a Smith County or a York Institute that happens to be probably their two best, you think that Westmoreland stands a good chance of, uh, of, of playing Region 4 in that sub-state round. But we move on in the show to highlight our Players of the Week, something that we do each and every week. It's a lot of fun for us just to kind of go through the numbers, talk to the athletes, and just kind of get in their heads and see what they're talking about. And this week, for this week's Player of the Week, we'll start out with Bree Ellis, who scored a healthy 35 points last night in their big victory over Gallatin, including eight threes. She was remarkable last night. I was actually able to catch up with Bree to talk to, about, talk to her about her big game. So let's hear what Bree Ellis has to say following the big win over Gallatin. 35 points tonight. Uh, is that a career high for you? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. What was your mentality coming into this ballgame? Just to 
for us to be number one in the district, um, for us to go hard and give it all, give it all like I do each game. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was a 31-27 ball game at one point, and then you obviously ended up rolling in the second half. What changed for you in this in the second half as a team and, and individually? Well, I don't know. I just, it's at halftime. I noticed the score was close. I just had to get myself together yeah. and the whole team because we was getting out rebounded and out hustled, and we wasn't playing any defense. So we had to step it up. Yeah, four big threes from her in the fourth quarter to help lead them to that 74-53 victory. Beach now uh, in first place at 3-0 in league play, uh, led a lot by Bree Ellis. Our other player of the week this week is going to be Pope John Paul Sr. Connor Turf. He scored 15 points in their win over Father Ryan on January 15th. Listen, this player of the week honor for Pope John Paul could have gone to one of three guys uh, but when you win as close as they did, it looks like Connor's big threes and big night was was the difference in the ball game. But Joseph Bills scoring ten points, getting a lot of steals on the defensive end was big as well. Uh, but Connor has kind of been uh, Pope steady, steady shooting, steady force so far uh, this season. But they're a really good basketball team. You know, I actually have them ranked second in our rankings that we'll get into later on in the show. But uh, a really good win for Pope Prep uh, at home against Father Ryan when they didn't play well in the first half but uh, came out in the second half and established their dominance and was able to get a big region win um, to improve them at the time to, to three and two in, in, in division two play. And, you know, my coworker Tyler Palmatier said it best last night when he covered them at CPA, every win in division two is just so critical, so important. Uh, so for them to get a win over Father Ryan, thanks in large part to Connors 15 points uh, was big for Pope prep. So, Again, our players of the week this week, Bree Ellis for dropping 35 against Gallatin and Connor Turf for dropping 15 over Father Ryan. Uh, moving into the staple of this show and what this show is built on is our 2-2-1 full court press um, segment, which is two games I'm looking at, two players, and one winner for the week. Uh, and quite simply, uh, we're going to a school that I haven't highlighted yet in our 2-2-1, and that is the Portland men's basketball team traveling on the road this Friday night at Creekwood in a huge district game. Listen, this is a Portland team that is coming off a loss on the road at Greenbrier in a very critical game, uh, their first loss uh, in, in district play, a game that they held the lead in the fourth quarter before ultimately losing uh, to the Bobcats. But you know, going on the road to play Creekwood, a team that they've already beat once this season. They beat them back on December 3rd by 10, 47-37. I talked to Daryl Travis, and he just told me simply, this is just going to be a grinded-out, tough game uh, to win, but one that he feels his team can win. You know, if they're able to get to 4-1, and one, sweep the season series with Creekwood, they've still got Greenbrier coming to their town, or excuse me, coming to their home later on in the season. Portland sets themselves up nicely to still potentially win uh, that regular season district championship. So that is one of my one games I'm looking at this week on the road, Portland at Creekwood on Friday night. And then next Tuesday, we've got Station Camp versus Hendersonville Girls. This is These are two teams that I'm just – I don't really know anything about. I'm not sure uh, who they are just yet. And so I think them facing off one against one another is um, obviously one that I want to look at this week because I think it's going to tell me a, a, a lot of what I need to know uh, between the two squads. So both, you know, Station Camp 10-7, and 1-2 and two in league play, Hendersonville 12-6, and 2-1, and one, coming off a really bad loss um, to Beach last week. So just anxious to see – that game, figure out maybe who they are a little bit more uh, on the girls' side of things. 
my two players this week, one of them actually is playing in my two games, and that is Chase Rudnick, sophomore for the Portland Panthers. He's actually averaging 16 points a game this season, 16 points coincidentally enough over the last four. Um, he's just been really good. You know, as a sophomore, the game is starting to slow down for him a little bit. You know, he got a lot of PT as a freshman last year, and maybe it was fast for him, but he showed signs, he showed promise of being one of the best players on the floor for Portland, and that has carried over into this year. You know, I was talking to, to Daryl Travis, just kind of what's been the, the secret to his success. And, you know, as a freshman, he got a lot of his points off the catch. And he's a good shooter, but he learned off he learned this offseason that if you want to be a mainstay scorer for any any length or any particular game and be consistent, you've got to learn to move without the basketball. And Daryl Travis says that has been his biggest area of progression this offseason. Uh, it's just moving without the ball, scoring without the ball, getting open, finding finding gaps, finding scene, finding cuts, and uh, that has allowed him to flourish. So Chase Runyon is one of my players to watch for this week, and he will be a key contributor if the Portland Panthers are going to get a, ro- a road win at Creekwood this Friday night. Uh, my other player to look out for is actually Beach Jr. Uh, Riley Long. Um, Riley is one of the best low low block players in the county. Uh, you saw that that the graphic there where, where Emma Wright was listed. That's partly my fault that I sent it to JP because in what I said was that, you know, I made the statement that I thought Riley was one of the best low block players in the county. I think Emma Wright for Westmoreland would have something to say about that. Uh, but listen, Riley Long is as good as they come. She can rebound. She gets those scrappy points. Uh, and is someone who you can count on in the low block for Beach. And I think is a big reason to their success. You know, they're 3-0 in league play. And I think Riley Long has a lot to do with that. Uh, just a really good basketball player, a junior. They got a lot of good playing time last year as a sophomore and uh, has just continued that progression, continued that that dominance on the low block and, and is someone who, who can be attributed for, for Beach's success. And, you know, while I don't have any audio to back that up from head coach Lauren Elkins, you know, she will tell you that, you know, they need Riley in order to, to go and get to where they want to get to. And so, uh, it's been really fun watching her progression. You know, the younger sister of Jackson Long, who happens to be a Beach Boys basketball player, player on the on the football team. Uh, the daughter of Kevin Long, former Titans standout and Florida State standout. So there's a lot of good athletic uh, genes running through through that through that Long blood, and uh, she's certainly certainly holding up her her end of the bargain, playing really good basketball for the Beach Lady Bucks this year. So again, Chase Runyon. Riley Long, my two players to look out for this week. And then my one winner. I wanted to go, you know, just kind of put myself out there this week. And you see it right there. And I've got the Pope Prep boys over Brentwood Academy, who happens to be our second-ranked team in our Fab 15. Uh, Brentwood Academy, they said they're waiting for Beach to slip up so that they can move them in to that number one spot. You know, they're a good team. They beat Pope Prep by 15 the first time these two teams met. Um, at Brentwood Academy. But again, I think this is a Pope Prep team that is kind of flying under the radar a little bit and one that I think is poised to to get an upset. You know, I talked to Joseph Bills after their their game against Father Ryan. You know, I, he said simply, he said, when you think of D2 basketball, Pope Prep is not the first team that you're going to think of. So we enjoy that underdog mentality. We enjoy that underdog role and uh, and trying to shock some teams. But I tell you right now, if they come out and they beat Brentwood Academy, they will no longer shock anybody uh, because that would be one of the best wins uh, in the mid-state. So I'm going out on the limb a little bit this week. Uh, Pope Prep boys over Brentwood Academy. 
and just a, a little bit uh, uh, of a, of just an added point to that, you know, I saw Pope Preps loss last night on the road at CPA, and listen, CPA got a bucket to go up by two, um, but you can go back and watch the video. But I, I think the refs helped decide that game. Listen, I'm not saying Pope Prep would have, um, you know, say say Father Ryan got their free throw off the foul, make the shot to go up by three. I'm not saying Pope Prep would have sank a three to send it in overtime. But what I am saying is the refs did not give them that opportunity because they called the weakest, the weakest intentional foul I've ever seen by anybody. Meaning, not only did Father Ryan, or excuse me, not only did CPA get the bucket, they got two free throws and the ball with 3.9 seconds left, essentially sealing the victory for CPA. I I make no mistake about it. I make no bones about it. Like TWS to play the refs, you got to be better than that, man. You can't be handing games over to opponents on weak stuff like that. You know, I see I see technicals called on players showing emotion. Uh, you know, I just I just think that these refs are, you know, some are not all are bad. Not all are bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I mean to to blatantly um, not allow a team to have the opportunity to shoot to tie the game uh, is is refereeing malpractice. All that said, I don't think there's any accountability in that profession. So I'm not sure it's ever going to matter. I'm, no one's probably ever going to say anything to those refs and be like, hey, you got to be better. What'd you see there? Why'd you call the intentional foul knowing the situation of the game? Uh, I just, I'm sorry. I had to get that off my chest. And if Bernard Childress, the TWS to play, the referee association has any problem with it, you, you know where you can find me. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, you can tell I'm worked up about it and, I just think taking away the opportunity for Pope to tie that game, not saying they would have tied it, but taking away the opportunity uh, and handing it to CPA is just, it's just bad. And and you got to be better. So just be better. That's, that's my, that's my two cents on that. Closing out the show today, as I always do, we give out some rankings. I'm just going to run down the list. Uh, I think these rankings are, are pretty fair. You know, last episode I said, I wasn't really sure who was where, uh, but I think I got a better grip on it this week. And uh, starting with the girls, my number one team, no doubt about it, Westmoreland, 15-3 um, and three on the season, 1-0 and in league play. They have tested themselves this year. They've beaten Brentwood. They've beaten Beach twice. They've beaten Gallatin twice. They've beaten Clarksville Northwest. They've beaten Smith County on the road. They have tested themselves week in and week out. And why they are not in our Main Street Preps five, Fab 15, I have no idea uh, because they certainly should be should be in there. You know, I don't know if they're not getting love because they're a 2A team or what, but look at the teams that they've beaten and uh, and, and then tell me that they don't belong in the top 15 because I, I, I would just say you're wrong. Uh, my number two team, Beach High School, 11-10, 3-0, coming off a huge win over Gallatin, who I have as my number three team, uh, and then another 30-point win last week over Hendersonville, who, has, who I have as my number four team. Uh, again, Westmoreland number one because they've shown it on the court beating Beach twice, uh, and as well as some other teams. So uh, I feel confident putting them as my number one team here in the county for, for this week's episode of the Full Court Press. Uh, and just rounding out my, my rankings really quick, you've got Westmoreland 1, Beach 2, Gallatin 3, Hendersonville 4, Station Camp 5, Pope Prep 6, Portland 7, White House 8, and Merrill Hyde at 9. Moving over to my boys' rankings, I, again, I don't think there's any any debate who my number one team for the boys are, and that's the Beach Buccaneers, 22-0, and 
coming off a win over Gallatin to get them at 3-0 in league play. Listen, games have gotten a lot tighter uh, over the stretch as of late. And uh, But you know what? Beach needs those games. Beach needs those opportunities to play in, in tight games. And actually was able to catch up with Kit Brown and Eli Rice uh, following last night's win over Gallatin. So let's hear what they've got to say just on the hot start and, and keeping the main thing the main thing. I haven't had a chance to speak with you since, you, since you've been here at Beach, but uh, you guys are 22-0 and 0 now, and uh, obviously games have become a little bit tighter uh, over the last couple of months. I guess, you know, what's, what's been the key to, I guess, your seamless transition in this offense? i say just defense, translating into offense has been the key, just pushing the ball, hitting the open man, and that's been taking care of it. Yeah, you know, I know, I know that Eli basically steps into a role that Caleb uh, left last year. We've talked about that, but uh, just from your coach's eyes, what is what does he bring to your team? He brings somebody that's really hard to guard, who has a high basketball IQ, who uh, shot blocker, who protects the rim and gets a lot of rebounds, and you know, he just takes. Like I told you earlier this year, he takes our team to another level. Very good, Eli. You know, this is this is a basketball team that has some very big. Games coming up, um, you know. I think you go Hunter's Lane, McGavick, and then maybe Station Camp before you get two big road games. You know, someone who is a leader on this team. And I asked Tyler the same question: How do you navigate this final stretch for this guy, for these guys, as you get ready to go into the district tournament? Uh, district play is always hard. It's been hard since I've been playing in this district, and I think just if we stay together, focus on the main goal, it'll all work out. How do you keep the main thing the main thing? It's just basketball. That's all I look at it. We just playing basketball, having fun. There you go. He's just playing basketball, having fun, and it sure looks like it as they are 22 and 0, 3 and 0 in league play. Again, you know they're coming off some some tight ball games. You know they were used to winning by 30, maybe 40, getting close to 50. But here you are when you get into the league play, it's just not going to be that easy. It's not going to be that simple. Uh, but they know that, and it seems like they've got a good head on their shoulders. They've got a coach that uh, keeps them checked in and, and reeled in, and and uh, keeps them excited and ready for the game. So uh, I'm eager to see how how the rest of the season shakes out for Beach. You know, I, I, mentioned, I alluded to it in the audio. They've got two critical road games coming up in a, in a, in a couple weeks at Hendersonville and then at Gallatin. Those could be two slip-ups for the Bucks, but I'm not sure other than those if they're going to lose anymore. So, again, 22-0, 3-0 in league play. And they've beaten some good, good basketball teams. And uh, they're just playing good basketball at this moment. And they've, they've, they've got the right mentality. So, again, Beach, my number one team at 22-0 this year. My number two team, I alluded to it earlier, my, is Pope Prep. They're 13-5, and 3-3 uh, in league play following last night's uh, loss to CPA on the road. But, again, this is a basketball team that has all the school uh, – all the – all the tools, has a lot of talent. They've got a big man in Antonio Patterson that gives them a rebounding and defensive presence on the low block. Uh, they've got a really good point guard in Tristan Conker. Connor Turf, I told you, is a really good shooting guard. Joseph Bills locks down on the defensive end. Uh, they've got guys that can hit big shots. Josh, Josh Hickson hits the game, the go-ahead game-winning three over Father Ryan. That wasn't his first game-winning basket of the season. So they've got a little bit of clutch gene in them as well. And so... You know, D2, AA, it's really tough basketball. Uh, but listen, I, I think they are the second best team in the county behind Beach. Um, and I don't know if it's particularly close between them and, and the rest of the team. Again, what Coach Charles Wade has done uh, with the boys uh, at Pope John, excuse me, at Pope Prep this year uh, has been remarkable. So again, keep an eye out for Pope Prep and what they have to do and, and, and how far they go this season. And just running down my list again, yeah, you, for the boys, you've got Gallatin at ten and eight, Hendersonville at twelve and six, 
uh, or excuse me, flip flop those. I apologize. Hendersonville at three at twelve and six, two and one. Gallatin at ten and eight, two and one. And then you got Portland, Station Camp, uh, White House, Westmoreland, and then Merrill Hyde rounding out our rankings uh, for this week's episode of the Full Court Press. So, um, again, Beach, Westmoreland, our top two boys and girls team. I hope you enjoyed the audio from Bree Ellis, Kit Brown, Eli Rice, and of course the interview with Westmoreland head coach EJ Perry. Again, want to thank him for joining the show, uh, dropping some knowledge about the Lady Eagles. And hey, listen to the guys that put out the Main Street Preps top 15. Don't forget about Westmoreland next week. That's all I've got for this week's episode of the Full Court Press Podcast. Again, if you missed anything, you can go back and play this episode later on today. You can check that out on all our social media pages, whether that be Facebook or Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Womble MSP. And, of course, the Full Court Press Podcast at FCP underscore MSP. Until next time, I'll see you at a gym. You've been watching and listening to the Full Court Press Podcast, covering high school sports in Sumner County with your host, Zach Womble. Follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Womble MSP and follow the show also on Twitter at FCP underscore MSP. This has been a production of Main Street Media.